protecting the country from threats from above. Does his purple underwear signify love? It's Big Man Japan. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Man, that is. <laughs> Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, as we stay alive, we are discussing Big Man Japan. <laughs> With me today is uh, a giant purple underwear wearing monster himself, Alex. Uh, joined by that flirtatious monster eric (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) oh geez alex this movie crazy stuff i'm glad we did this one eric i'm just gonna go ahead and say it i'm glad we did this one yeah oh yeah oh yeah for sure for sure oh man um yeah so this series has been something alex next couple weeks we've got um a monster calls and then i believe we'll do our uh kind of a recap episode after that so before yeah. we get into our next series which we still need to finalize which we'll probably do a little bit in next week's nvm plus yes <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about that okay um but yeah man i i, I just want to get into this because uh i think we have got some uh Interesting conversation ahead of us. Definitely. And I want to get straight to the point. <laughs> I don't know how you couldn't have an interesting conversation about this movie. No, exactly. So here we go. It might be hard to describe 2007's Big Man Japan, directed by Hitoshi Matsumoto, but one thing is for certain. We haven't watched anything quite like this on Monsters vs. Men. But I'll still ask Alex, despite the unique and, shall we say, weird nature of this film, what film does big man Japan most closely relate to of the films that we've covered on our show and how does it relate? <laughs> how does it relate to some movies we've already seen? That's a, that's a tough one. You know, obviously the documentary style here is pretty, as a pretty important factor. Mm-hmm. And I, I can only recall one of those that we've watched for the show and that's troll hunter. Um, but I also feel like it also has this weird, and this is the the early part of the movie, but weird Shaun of the Dead vibe, mm. right? Where the day in the life vibe in that film where he's just walking around town, uh, mm-hmm. nothing interesting is happening. And then just like these weird conversations that are taking place. <laughs> like, uh, I... Th- I guess that's probably the closest those two would be. Like this protagonist is just so aloof; it kind of reminds mm. me of that character as well. But yeah. he's also more sad. Um, <laughs> and then clearly, even minus the the ending here, mm-hmm. this was inspired and in some ways de- a smart parody of Ultraman. Mm. And just the way giant monster movies kind of, or giant monster TV shows and tokusatsu kind of plays out. 
the way it jabs at the goofiness of this of those series and really leans into some of those clear absurdities I, I really enjoy those aspects of it, but I think all of this really comes to a head with the baby monster. <laughs> and that that moment with it is just too great. That if you if you're listening to this and you haven't watched this movie, I recommend watching it just for that one scene. <laughs> but Eric, I wanna know what you've gotta say about this before I go too too deep. Yeah, man. Well, to answer my introduction question, yeah, the first film I think of is Troll Hunter. In Troll Hunter, we get a weird mix of documentary filmmaking, an eccentric character, an interesting blend of parody and satire. And, of course, Ultraman, Alex. Um, But there's also an element, I think, of Colossal in here as well. But let's be real. None of these films quite compare to whatever it is we just watched in Big Man Japan. I asked you a couple days ago if you had finished the movie trying to dig into what you might be thinking about it. And you simply responded in text message with a yes. So I'm definitely curious now to hear more of your impressions, because honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what I really think about this one. Yeah. So initially in this, I was watching this film and I was just kind of like, uh, you know, I was just like, mm, I don't know about this. Uh, I wasn't jiving with the comedy or the main character. Mm-hmm. You know, that brick gets, thro- gets thrown through his window and he has no reaction. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'd, Maybe just this comedy is just not hitting for me. Mm. But then the first monster battle happens. And I am all on board. <laughs> when he's fighting this thing and is terrible at it, and then he just mm-hmm. happens to accidentally defeat the monster by <laughs> it snapping itself in the face and killing itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it floats to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And then we get more into the character and see some of the hardships and some of the comedy. And obliviousness of the character. And those three elements really actually make this character pretty interesting and deep. And then you, when, when you start to care for him and you see some of that depth that he tries to play off as just him not caring. When, when you get these moments, but then you get these, <laughs> these sequences of him like standing outside or or doing the ceremony even right when they're filming the ceremony making the cameraman's making them go back redo parts and then he's standing inside those giant purple underpants like Mm -hmm. oh it's the best (laughs) it's the best scene that's my favorite scene dude i was rolling so hard during some of these sequences and you know most of the monster sequences are pretty hysterical to me the, uh, the stink monster sequence in particular, while not my favorite of the monster sequences, was a completely shocking and hilarious situation that just goes from ludicrous to completely insane. <laughs> but it's made better by the next sequence, which is the baby drop that I mentioned, right? There's a baby monster mm. that apparently... Everyone in this city likes, right? 
the entire time we're made to think that all the monsters are looked at as bad. And then <laughs> this baby bites our hero's <laughs> nipple. He drops him by mistake and it kills it. And then everyone hates Big Man Japan. It's so good. He got some of the most solid laughs out of me that I, I've had in a while with a movie. And it reminded me of these mid, mid-2000s mid cartoons on Adult Swim that I used to watch all the time. And I have to say, like this made me quite a bit nostalgic. I haven't felt this way about a movie in a long time. And... It's not even to mention like the copious amounts of one-liners in the film, which you know I love a good one-liner, and they're just so perfectly timed. So it's like this two thousands vibe of comedy that was so prevalent during yeah. a lot of my time in college and high school, coupled mm-hmm. with uh, interesting characters and funny <laughs> one-liners. I mean, this movie is like it went from eh. To hitting all the hitting all the the right spot, well, who, who, that to hitting all the right uh, points for me, Eric. What about you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, what's funny though is I, I think you're right. I think if we had watched this movie when it was released, I think we would have enjoyed it and and really found it funny from its quirkiness. Like if we watched this together in college, we would have laughed a lot. Yeah. at the quirkiness of this film. Um, I think I would have en- enjoyed it more just watching it with you today, right? Like, we would have had a good time watching it. Oh, um, but I, th- I think what's what's interesting now is maybe some of that quirkiness doesn't it didn't work for me as much now as it would have then. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, I have a inf- infinitely uh, higher appreciation for what it's doing as far as parody and satire of the tokusatsu genre than I would have then, right? Which yeah. I was basically not exposed to at all at that point. So, you know, it's probably a wash for me at that point. And yeah, I think some of this film is, I still think some of this film is quite funny. Uh, some of those mockumentary parts, especially. Some of the body humor parts with the monster battles don't really get me much, but um, they certainly help create the outlandish tone that this film seems to be going for. And that's a tricky blend, right? Mockumentary and giant monster body humor. <laughs> but honestly, for what this does, it seems to work. I, I guess I end up wishing at the end of this film that I had more of a main, con- more of a connection to our main character. Though I will say that might be a hypocritical statement for me uh, because of a couple points I'm about to make. But Masaru, our our main character, big man Japan, he's wonderfully acted and tragically complex as a character. But parts of me doesn't have sympathy for him. Like, maybe I should. Um, I don't know if the film is always trying to build sympathy for him uh, or empathy mm. in that case. Maybe, maybe it is sympathy that we feel for him. Like, we feel bad for him, but we can't quite relate Definitely. to what he's going through. We don't have that empathy. Uh, I think that's a that's a question we could explore on its own. The one pa- piece, though, that made me feel real sympathy for him was when he tried to act that his meeting with his daughter, um, which he said was monthly, was no big deal. Uh, and then how it's revealed later that it was only once every six months. Right. So, yeah, as I told you, I'm still processing here. I mean, I have maybe I do have a bit of sympathy for the big man, but 
that's not my main complaint of the film. I, I think my main complaint is actually the ending. I'm perplexed by the ending. Yes, it's an obvious parody of Ultraman, but to what purpose? What what exactly does this add to the movie? I'm left with more questions that don't add up to me than I am with any sort of biting critique or smart satire. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in line with you there. Uh, I don't understand the ending of this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the only thing I could think somewhat is that the aliens were supposed to be U.S.-based. Because remember... For some reason, well, we know why he he hates the, he hates the USA mm-hmm. because his grandfather didn't like or his dad didn't like the US, right? Right. Um, but he doesn't actually have any personal reason for why he dislikes them. And so, and you know, the, these aliens show up; these Ultramen show up draped in all this flag iconography. Iconography, mm-hmm. good lord. Um, I, I think some of these moments from the finale are funny and, you know, appropriately goofy. And I do like how it jabs at Ultraman for being a bad guy at times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes needlessly cruel to some of the monsters he kills. Like, it's very clear it's leaning into this point. But that being said, though, it's less about Masaru and more about the parody in these final moments. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think is a great idea when you focus the entirety of the rest of the film around one man and his day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And then we decide to end the movie with this 20-minute segment of him literally sitting in the background between buildings watching a very hokey, overlong, sometimes funny Ultraman parody. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a net negative. Um when we're taking in, into account this final sequence, because uh, uh, when, when when I when I put the pluses and minuses together of the ending, it, it, it's it just is very rough and just poorly done, really. And when, but but the good news is, is when I reflect on this ending mm-hmm. and I reflect on this movie, I do not think of the ending. Yeah. It doesn't even cross my mind. You no, know, it's like its own separate sketch in a way. It it it, it is. And and you know Eric like uh, we haven't said it but this is the second time we're recording this episode. I haven't seen this movie in 3 weeks. Mm-hmm. When we were recording this episode, I was looking over my notes. I was like, "Oh. I forgot all about <laughs> yeah. that part." Yeah. And I think you're right. It's because it feels like it's its own sketch that doesn't matter. Yeah. But I think, I just think of all the outlandish moments that came before. Yeah. Even all the way up to that moment where he like trips over his grandfather and accidentally yeah. kills him. Yeah. I, I, like, I, there's all this funny stuff and then yeah. that. Yeah. I still think that, I think it detracts, right? I, I think it does feel oh, forgotten, but I, I do think it detracts. But, you know, I still think, despite that ending, there's interesting ideas trying to be conveyed here about, specifically about society's progress and their concern with Big Man Japan. There's a bit of King Kong versus Godzilla here with how Big Man is this giant spectacle, despite culture yeah. generally thinking he does more harm than good. The problem, though, <laughs> is that culture has created Big Man Japan and bought into Big Man Japan when it was a phenomenon. So you're left asking, who would solve the problem if he didn't, right? Like if if he wasn't around, 
what, what would happen, right? So he's a tragic figure in that sense. He's stuck in this position that he has no real control over, uh, which it's why at the beginning of the film, with a couple of things, with the umbrella and the spinach, he keeps remarking about how they grow bigger, quote, when they want to or when they need to yeah. versus when they have to, which is right. the position that he is put in. And it's a position where he really can't have any real relationships except for the relationship with the fourth um, being his grandfather, which I would call another misstep uh, of the film because that relationship had the potential to be the deepest relationship in this film, but it didn't have that much depth. And uh, the ending of, of the grandfather was outlandish but also maybe a little callous for me none of the relationships in this film unfortunately match the depth of musaru as a character as a character study Mm. there's there's complexity there but there's no complexity unfortunately in the relationships which would be another of my main complaints here Hmm. yeah Uh, i i don't really disagree there uh while I think the grandfather moments are funny uh, and sometimes sad and interesting, um, it is done a bit of a disservice to make, you know, killing him like a comedy, a comedy bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's also a bit of a disservice to, you know, have that moment and then it's never touched upon again, mm-hmm. right? Because we yeah. decide to go to space. Yeah. Um, there's just there. There's a lot here that's a bit of a not a lot. There's a good bit though at the final act of this film that causes our problems, mm-hmm. and the fact that the force um, senile nature comes and goes with the plot is a bit of an issue as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's valid. But, well, before we get into our awards, Alex, MVM Plus today we review ant-man and the wasp quantum mania quantum mania 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 and we see uh we might have a we might have a bit of a disagreement about this one alex maybe just maybe we have have a bit of a disagreement just maybe only a little blood is shed not too much blood but some blood might be shed on this one but you have to yeah. listen in to, to hear our thoughts on Quantum Mania. That's patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. Patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. All right, Alex, compelling character. Who do you have? Yeah, for me, it's got to be the agent. Mm. Uh, Masaru's agent is like a very terrible person. Yeah. Um, to a surprising degree in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. right? Because. Every time he's talking about how he needs money and how he doesn't make much and how he makes so much less than all of his predecessors. Mm-hmm. And then every time we see her, I love how the movie does or the movie does this where she just has a new something oh, yeah. every time. A new car, new clothes, new everything. I think it's really funny. Um and sad in the way it does it. And then our guy, our Masaru just doesn't quite connect what's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. Which is sad and funny um, in some ways. And then also the relationship between her and your compelling character, Mm. Eric, is also a bit humorous. Yeah. So my compelling character is the cameraman (laughs) who um, multiple times gets distracted here 
um, in the film. He really becomes his own character because he is getting distracted, trying to hit on different women, including the agent. Um, yeah, he, he's he's interesting though, right? Like he he tries to get at some points um, to get big man to open up a little bit more. Um, he's a bit perplexed sometimes. You can tell by big man's response, which yeah. is funny too. So I think there's something there. It, it, it was always interesting when that cameraman who you never see becomes a character in its own right. And that's what we get here. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that he's always hitting on the agent. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> what about your most memorable line award? My most memorable line. It comes from a, a line early on in the film. Um, where it just starts to hit on what the tone of this film will be like. I first the first conversation that happened on uh, the bus, I believe, I was like, okay, what, what is the tone here? What's what is going to? Ha- I just didn't get anything there. Like yeah. I didn't get any of the comedy. Like it was so dry. Looking back on it now, I, I think it's funny still, even that. But yeah. uh, it's so dry that I wasn't sure what I was going for. But then we get that moment where the cat comes and is literally eating out of the same bowl uh, as Masaru, big man. Uh, and the, the cameraman asks, is that your cat? Uh, and Masaru answers, no, it's not really mine. It comes over sometimes. But <laughs> he's just letting it eat uh, out of his bowl. And I was like, okay, that, this is going for that dry, um, satirical humor. And all right, I can get on this film's wavelength. So that that's what stood mm-hmm. out to me. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? And, and my and and uh, my line, my most verbal line is uh, when he says we're all strays. Yeah, like right after right? that. Yeah. He's having this. He is right after that, and he's he's trying to be so deep for these cameramen. Yeah. Um, and trying to be not himself very clearly. Because there's no other moments in the film where he's kind of getting... I mean, he slowly becomes less pretentious very quickly um, in the film. And it's just so funny to see him trying to describe this... What feels like an elegant saying, right? We're all strays. It's like, oh, yeah. But then he tries to explain it. It's like, oh, yeah. It doesn't doesn't make make any any sense. sense. Yeah, it makes no (laughs) sense. (laughs) It's so good. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And then you know, there's also the uh, the scene that we talked about, Eric, where uh, when we did record last time, where he, he his thighs, where they sell his thighs. Is that what it is? Or they sell his yeah, <laughs> his, <laughs> his hips, his hips. His hips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is good. Yeah, That's good. Oh, so uh, good. yeah. I honestly. I didn't catch the humor of the we're all strays part until you like pointed it out and I thought about it some more and I was like, yeah, that is hilarious. It's just, it made no sense and it left me scratching my head, but it's so much funnier in retrospect after you've seen the movie and thought about it and know this character more. That, that comes early on in the film. So you're still trying to figure the character out, but it is funnier after you know the character. Um, what about your can't believe the acting award? Uh, Yeah. Mine's going to go to uh, the stinky monster. Uh, You know, she really sold me that she wasn't really that interested in this (laughs) other thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> in the in the male species, male of her species, because uh, he was too young. Not not interested in that. And then, you know, she she tricked me and she tricked Masaru because we both fell for it. And then just a second later, mm, yes, make it a scene. <laughs> anyway, Eric, what about you? Uh, I I really liked Hitoshi Matsumoto, who plays Masaru, big man Japan here. Um, this movie doesn't work without him. Uh, so it's the obvious choice, right? But also just just the the nuance that this character has to have um, in being a aloof character who tries to put on these certain airs at times because he's on camera. It's interesting to have a character that's playing a character on camera. Right. Uh, and that's what we get here. And so there's, there's layers to that performance that we slowly, you start to see it be chipped away more as the film progresses. Uh, but I find that that chipping away process to be very interesting. And well done. Absolutely. Yeah. It, absolutely. Yeah, and it is, like you said, well done. I really What about your oh that's a good shot of Ward Alex? Mine's mine's the shot that really is kind of what made me think of Shaun of the Dead when I was having to reflect on what's similar and what's mm-hmm. different uh between some of the movies we've seen in this one. And that's just Masaru as he's walking with a documentary crew for the first time through the neighborhood and everyone's giving him those glances. It just had a really cool feel to it. Um, that I, I really appreciate mm. it. I, you know, maybe we'll kind of want to go visit yeah. that area. <laughs> what about, what about you, Eric? Uh, my shot. You, you have the real one. Yeah. It's, it's probably my favorite scene <laughs> in the movie. And it's the giant purple underwear scene where it's at first I'm perfect. not sure what's going on. Right. Like, I'm like, what is, what's this? What are they? Oh, <laughs> with his face i love that his face is right there and like you can literally see like his mouth breathing in the underwear right his face is right where the crotch is it's wonderful it's wonderful wonderful uh so it's just a great scene to see him straddling that giant underwear it's it's so funny so funny and it's just it's just a, it's not like a artistic shot but it's a hilarious shot that <laughs> it's not it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty artistic to me it's pretty artistic. Um, <laughs> all right um, unique awards alex um i had my favorite monster award it was actually the mm-hmm. first monster the strangling monster i thought this was a monster we could actually see in a ultraman show I was like, this is an interesting design monster that I could totally see being a real monster in Ultraman. Mm, right. I, I, I could I could see it, you know, without the head and the uh, the comb over. Well, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. No, 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 but, no. But, take but, take away that sort of like weird that that the sort of human quality were more like Attack on Titan esque. Yes. Right? Very feeling in, in their the the monsters. Yes, no. Besides the head, I am talking more like the body design and power. Mm. Not not the head. The heads were kind of off putting, not very ultramanish <laughs> at all. Replace that head with like a different sort of uh alien esque head and you'll have an Ultraman monster. I think you're right. But the real monster that we all, all wanted to see the city's favorite, the baby monster. <laughs> that moment, Tokyo's favorite, yeah, Tokyo's favorite. 
So funny, dude. Not in a million years would I have expected a sequence to have occurred. <laughs> I could have guessed the old woman uh, monster and the young the young monster. Yeah. Um, I I did not foresee where this went. <laughs> right, right. And it was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. Mm, me neither, man. <laughs> he, he bit the bit his nipple. <laughs> Look how he just stands there and he's like, because he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> oh yeah, so bad, so bad. It's great. All right, uh, all right, man. Oh. Uh, final thoughts and tiered rating. Uh, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, this is a Gamera film for me. I do enjoy it quite a bit i think the ending takes away a little bit um i don't think it makes a difference as far as my tears concerned it's not this isn't a godzilla tier film without that ending but it does it does drop my my feelings about it overall there's a lot that i do appreciate a lot of the quirkiness that i really enjoy i enjoy the character study and unique style of this film so yeah it's it's a solid um middle of the road mid-low gamma tier film for me yeah i'm i think i'm probably right about in the same area eric uh this is probably a this is probably like a mid to high gamma tier i would say probably mm, if i'm being honest the only thing that kept this from being godzilla is that final sequence uh, if that ending didn't exist and was the film was supported by focusing on what really mattered in this movie, and that was Masaru, and mm. it kept up the pacing with everything else it was doing and building with this character, it didn't yeah. even need like a cohesive resolution or anything. No. But um, anything else would probably have been somewhat better. Um, so that that's what really holds it back. So. I really do. This is one I would recommend to fans of the of the genre, but most of them I would just tell them like just stop at this point, like stop at this minute mark. You're not. <laughs> you're literally not missing anything. Yeah. Um, no, you're but that not being for the said, story as a whole, right? As I said, it's like a sketch, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have the whole and, credit and it's, sequence. It's just, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, very weird. The whole thing. And the credit is just, sequence mm. doesn't like the credit sequence does nothing again for the character that we care about in the whole movie. So yeah, I mean he's almost silent the whole time. Yeah, yeah, right. Like that. Yeah. The only sequence, the only things that are funny about the the finale is just seeing Masaru's timid personality, where he's like kind of not wanting to be part of this super team and like trying to get out of things and like. Mm. <laughs> they, that's the only funny part about it. Yeah. Uh for the most part. And then a few of the special moves were kind of funny too. Um, from our Ultraman. But overall, I was, I'll say mid Gamera tier. But this would have been a Godzilla tier had it not been for that last 10, 15 minutes. Nope. I get it. But yep. just great characters. Really subtly done. Mm-hmm. And very deep. And it's just, just a shame we didn't use them in our finale. <laughs> yeah. True. All right, man. Next week, uh, a monster calls. Uh, will mm-hmm. it have? Will it have uh, some balls, or <laughs> will we be singing our criticism squalls, Alex? Oh, yeah. So, 
I can't wait to hear when a monster calls. Do you think it'll make our ratings falls, or will we be, uh, or will this movie push us to the walls? <laughs> I think both of those sound negative, but uh, we'll take it, Alec. We'll take it. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on this episode at nvmpod.com or email us at nvmpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. Become a bargain basement at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod and receive weekly bonus content. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett, executive producer Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cell Block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, Instagram Connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, Alex. Don't Drop the baby. And try <laughs> to, to stay, stay alive. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. are pretty hysterical to me this thing the my dog just barged into my room um okay louise